Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me again for this episode on Psalm 25 is Reverend Q Han. Q pulls a hosting coup on me in this episode, and as you'll see, forces me to go first. We talk about the neediness of the psalmist in Psalm 25 and what that means for us as we come to God in prayer. We talk about God's forgiveness and his goodness, and a conversation with Q is really just a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy it too. To get us started, here's Q reading Psalm 25. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Reverend Q Han, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Reverend Matt Thames, good to be back to Curious Psalms. I felt like launching into, you know, your full stats, the high school and college you came from. <laughs> yeah, I thought I sent you all of that last night in the email. You didn't get yeah. that? That's always so good to podcast with you. It brings a smile to my face before we've even begun. Glad. But thanks glad. for reading Psalm 25. Of course. One quick note about Psalm 25. This psalm, I don't know if you stumbled across this cue, but it is actually an acrostic following the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's like as if verse 1 began with A and verse 2 began with B, 3C, yeah. 4D, and on. This psalm actually does that. I don't know that wow. it impacts the way we interpret it, but isn't that cool? 
Yeah, that is really cool. I think I might have heard of it way back sometime when I have, I have no idea. But you know, as I was kind of reading it and reflecting on it before this time, I had no idea. So that yeah, that's really cool. Let's ask our questions and let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's do a deep dive. What stood out to you in reading this psalm, Q? Well, there's one thing that stood out to me, but I was wondering if you'd like to go first this time. I feel like <laughs> I think I think my reflection, Matt, um, would be a good supplementary reflection. So fourth time being here i think it's there's some somewhere in the universal podcast guidelines or whatever i can have a say so in this episode because fourth time coming back <laughs> my man so reverend matt thames would you like to go first oh man that's you? so funny q well i will honor your request you are moving from guest to co-host so sure i'll go first <laughs> as i was going back and thinking back it's at least the first time that it's really stood out to me this theme of repentance and the psalmist really identifying their own sin and shortcomings. I think there's been some allusions in other places in the Psalms to that. But so far, at Psalm 25, this is certainly the clearest and the most to the foreground. It's not that we don't have evildoers. It's not that we don't have sinners. But they are usually someone else other than the psalmist. <laughs> they are the evil ones who are coming against yeah, them who yeah, deserve yeah. judgment. So this really felt like a bit of a shift. And I think because of that reason, it felt really accessible to me. I think, you know, I grew up in a tradition where every youth group on a Wednesday night, you make sure that you recommit your life to Christ, right? And there's a prayer of repentance. I mean, that's a slight exaggeration, but it had a little bit of that kind of dynamic. And so as a result, a prayer that is rooted in repentance for what you've done, there's something that those deep parts of me that were formed in youth uh, spiritually just instantly kind of resonates. I think I've actually, huh. there's worship songs that I'm familiar with that use some of Psalm 25, which also helps it. So there's really this theme of repentance. Yeah. And then I was also really interested in verse 18, which says, look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. Yeah. So building on this idea, it's not, there's not just repentance happening here. The psalmist is actually fascinatingly integrating their suffering with their brokenness and hmm. i'm i'm still kind of wrestling with that because i think you have to be really careful here because i there's even passages in the gospels right where jesus yeah, makes yeah, clear yeah, yeah, yeah. the suffering and affliction of this individual is not tied to something they did and that shouldn't be our assumption but i wasn't just intrigued maybe is the best way to put it by the way that the psalmist has a view of the ways that we are integrated as people and that there is a deeper or a larger, a cosmic reality where the oh, psalmist gosh. simultaneously is asking for release from suffering and release from sins. And again, you know, I don't think the psalmist here is saying, take away my sins because, because I am afflicted because of my sins per se. But to say those in the same breath, I just think is really interesting. And that's worth kind of gnawing on so to speak and spending yeah. some time with. yeah i haven't thought about that that same exact part at all so it's really all fascinating to me but as you reflect on that particular point that you've just shared matt is there any mm -hmm. like i don't know like a particular example that came to your mind as you like look at our modern world today or our kind of lives today that might have some relevance to it. I mean, not to put you on this. Well, I'm, I am putting you on the spot because I'm intrigued by the idea, but I'm kind of wanting, like I, there's a part in me that longs to hear more about this. It's really intriguing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we are really, I think, puzzling this out together in real time. So 
Yeah. I wonder if one, there's maybe multiple layers of examples because some of our afflictions are, are both afflictions and we contribute to them. I don't know. I think, so let me try this kind of example on. Yep. Look at my affliction and my distress. So I think about this past year, there's been lots of racial unrest in all kinds of ways. Yeah. And I would say for, for very justified reasons. So I have a certain degree and not to equate my distress in any way <laughs> yeah. with the distress of minority groups and those who have experienced just, I mean, literally centuries of oppression within, within our country. But I have distress around this if this makes sense, like yeah. there's, I'm not being afflicted as a person, but sure. there is a level of distress about myself, my engagement, how do I engage? But then also, particularly with this issue, there is a take away all my sins. How am I also culpable? Like, how am I to blame? How am I involved in this reality of affliction in our world? So there's both a sense right. in which like I'm distressed by it. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of myself as a Christian as not always contributing to it and trying to, in yeah. some sense, contribute to, to justice in God's eyes and in our world. But at the same time, I also know like, mm, th like that searching gaze has to turn on my own heart because the, the seeds of these things are, are deep within as well within me because of my own brokenness and the ways right. I've both been enculturated and the ways yeah, I've yeah, swallowed yeah, things yeah. without thinking. So as you ask, like, is there an example? I don't know if that's quite what the psalmist is getting at, but those words certainly trigger that particular kind of conversation, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. yeah. What do you think? Does no, that make I sense? think um, I think totally hearing that. So in his own suffering, a very particular personal context, he not only notices sort of this, you know, individual brokenness within himself but he as you said mentioned earlier a cosmic brokenness which is like the the, the bigger reality yeah. of right the the, the sin yeah. that's all around us that's really fascinating okay and verse 17 is kind of interesting to this too right the immediately preceding verse relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish yeah look at my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins verse 19 is fascinating see how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me yeah. There is so much happening in those three verses oh, that yeah. is all bound together. That is just fascinating. So I, sound, I don't know that we can right. resolve the tentacles and the ways that they're all interacting. But yeah. yeah, and you can almost kind of hear that sense of desperation. You know what I mean? Like he 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 is yeah. really suffering and he is really longing for the removal of his sins. Yeah. Right. Well, I thought one thing that stood out to me, Matt, was just in light of the whole chapter itself it's really fascinating how david is he's just really needy um, <laughs> i love that and, yes you know i think sometimes you know i can't speak for everybody but i think oftentimes people feel guilty of being needy mm. or selfish when they're being mm. needy and i think there's also like being needy let's say in you know, relationship with you know, our spouse or our friends or you know, yeah. even the closest relationships, we have to be always kind of discerning what would be the healthy kind of way of expressing our needs uh -huh. or what have you, right? But this Psalm 25, and it, I think it really kind of starts from where you started us, David, in this kind of deep sense of suffering. And you see him just being needy toward God. 
Like, show me your <laughs> ways, Lord. And he's asking for guidance. And then he says, like, don't remember my sins. So he's asking for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then as we go down, I think there are more parts. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely. Like, he's telling him that I'm very lonely. So God, like, you know, help me to help me to realize that I'm not alone. <laughs> All these things, you know. And then, like, towards the end, verse 20, guard my life and rescue me. And then 21, may integrity and uprightness protect me. So I think yeah. that struck me. That's Just so reading it through the whole thing. Just David... You know that it's okay to be needy toward God. Yeah. You know, maybe it's it's really tricky for us to be this way to our spouses or again mm. to our close friends. Or there's always that kind of that wisdom and discernment that we need. But I get the sense that maybe it's okay to be however needy we want to be toward God and just tell them wow. what's happening. That's quite powerful to me, Q. Because I, as I read those verses, if we were to say that to another human being, we should probably seek counseling for codependency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right i'd be i'd be i'd be probably like very overwhelmed drained and like ready to go and take a nap after this conversation you know what i mean yeah yeah if i turned to you and i I said turn to me and be gracious to me q for i am lonely and afflicted and then i just proceeded to go on you'd be like matt like our relationship is no longer healthy this is not good But the the capacity totally. of God to receive our need, absorb it, and also meet those deepest yeah, right. needs is really remarkable. Sure yeah. Time. Oh, I love that observation. That's so helpful. Yeah. I, that feels like it segues us really nicely into our second question, Q. So shall yep. we move to what we learned about God from this song? Yep. If you start your reflection <laughs> first, if you lead us oh, into it. Oh, the tables have been turned. Very well. I'm happy, I'm happy to start us off. The thing that stood out to me is a simple thing, but sometimes I think the gift of scripture is that it reminds us again of the simple things. It's just simply that God forgives. Mm. It's not a necessary part of the story, so to speak, but that the psalmist, David here, can come with the presumption that God forgives, that God, this covenant God, is not only a God who is holy, he's not only a God who has standards for how his people lives. He's not only a God who created the world or is sovereign over all things, but also he's a God that forgives. What what a fascinating piece. I think maybe even culturally today, our culture has been so impacted probably by Christianity over centuries that that just seems like a no-brainer, if that makes sense. Who's going to sign up for a God who doesn't forgive? Right. Maybe feels obvious to us now. But the reality that God is a God of grace and forgiveness is really remarkable. And it's not predicated even in this psalm on what David does, right? It's really, this is verse 11. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. So it's not David saying, look at the sacrifices I've made. Look at the ways that I've made this right. Forgive me. It is simply because of who you are, God, because of who you are, Yahweh, Forgive my iniquity, though it is great. And then that that forgiveness bleeds into friendship. So it's not just that the distant God grants mercy, like the king on high, you know, grants mercy to the peasant. But instead that there's then relationship and friendship. That verse 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. That word confides in other places is translated. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. Like he tells Mm. secrets to those who fear him. Or uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message paraphrases it this way. God friendship is for God worshipers, 
which I kind of like too. I like that a lot. There's a word there that means like friendship or counsel or counselors. So there's a closeness that comes out of that forgiveness. It's just a beautiful piece of this psalm. Mine's like really simple too, like yours. Verse um, 7, he says, According to your love, remember me for you, Lord, are good. Hmm. So that God is really good. And I don't know what the exact context of David's writing in this psalm was. But when I read it, Matt, I could almost like, I was taken back to where David was being chased by uh, King Saul. And -hmm. King Saul was like chasing him after his life. And then there was a moment where King Saul fell asleep in a cave where David was. And David had a chance to finish him off. And like as readers, well, I can't speak for everybody obviously but as a reader i'm like finish him off (laughs) finish him off and then yet david like he doesn't you know what i mean so so why am i saying this as i was reading psalm 25 because he's talking about his enemies i think earlier Mm -hmm. in this psalm i could almost see himself praying you know a prayer like this to god in that Mm -hmm. moment and really asking god for for his help so that David can still make a decision that is upright and good. So that was fascinating to me, just leaning into the the character of God, a God who is really good and upright, and David really clinging on to him and asking to Mm. to guide him to that path of goodness. And yeah, stop me if if my imagination went, you know, was too far-fetched, but that's that's what kind of, you know, went across my mind when I was reading Psalm 25. Thanks for sharing that, Q. I think that speaks to, in some ways, we could probably read this psalm into multiple pieces of David's narrative. There's probably multiple places where it'd be like, oh yeah, I can see what David would have prayed that then, right? right? Which also speaks to the ways that we can participate in the Psalms, that just as we could read this in multiple places in David's life, so in our life, it prays and we can engage with it in different ways, which look at that segue leads us to our last question. How does this Psalm help us pray? Yep. Which I'm going to preempt you and say that you're going to ask me to go first, so I'll just do it. (laughs) As I said at the beginning, there was a familiarity, I think, with this Psalm. It had some resonance with kind of a sinner's prayer, and I think, again, maybe it ties to some music that I'd heard, there was a sense to me in which this psalm, I think for me, just enters easily. And it's a natural psalm and it's an easy psalm to pray until (laughs) this is what I found really interesting. Verse 22, the psalm lands on this fascinating verse, deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Hmm. So, so much of this psalm, I'm like, yes, yes. I prayed this on Wednesday night, you know, at my youth group, so to speak, like I, and then it just ends with this, deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles, which I thought, you know, what an interesting final note that the psalm has. And it reminded me that when we pray as individuals, we, and I, I mean, this has come up over and over again, we're not praying by ourselves, but our prayer for ourselves is also a prayer for our community. And, you know, we were just having a conversation about Thomas Merton, who was this monk who wrote and reflected on the Psalms. And one of his big points in the reading that we were reflecting on was the ways that the Psalms bring us into an almost mystical kind of single person, this body of Christ as we're united with Jesus as we pray the Psalms. And then in that, we're united with one another while still being our unique, distinct selves. And verse 22 just felt like such an interesting landing place, a reminder to me as I pray individually, as I pray to God, as I bring my deep needs, 
as we've been talking about, to God. There's a sense not only the community prays with me, but I'm praying for and with the community. And a prayer for myself is also a prayer for those. So just the interplay between those, I thought, yeah, prayer can be such an insular thing. And I think sometimes praying for our community can tend to look like just praying for other individuals, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. But sometimes I think it's helpful to zoom out and we pray not just for individuals within the community, but for the community as a whole. Right. So yeah. yeah, I was struck by that kind of landing place of the psalm. I, yeah, I mean, I, I missed that. The, the whole verse 22 and you know how it struck you, it, it didn't really stand out to me in that way. But as I'm listening, that's obviously, I mean, very resonating with that and i'd like to just invite any listeners sorry i'm just kind of being a co-host here again but morning prayer monday through saturday <laughs> at 9 a.m at our youtube channel and we do pray for the bigger the, the fuller kind of yeah, community right. beyond us right so i think that's a gift but one thing that i'd like to share before we end here is how do we pray with this psalm i i'd say just like you know express your neediness to god and if it helps you to maybe just uh, write it down on a piece of paper, again, mm. I think it's really tricky and it requires a lot of wisdom and discernment for us to express our needs to the people that we love. But maybe David is modeling here in this sort of you know, uh, time of his life where things are really rough and hard and challenging. He's really just reaching out to God and, and expressing all of his needs. So I would just uh, encourage folks, if they will, to write all of their needs down on a paper and i would i would very much encourage them to not so much focus on the material goods that we might want in our lives if we're eyeing on a new laptop or whatever the case may be but really kind of think about the values in your life maybe you're needing a sense of security maybe you're needing a sense of camaraderie or as you said matt friendship in life maybe jot those things down and write it as your kind of version of psalm 25. I love that. Q. What a practical exercise. Maybe I can just build on it yeah. too and say, I love what, you, what you're what you talking about to get at the deeper needs. And I would just add, you know, sometimes a way into those is by considering the material things we want. Hmm. So for example, oh, yeah, if, sure. if you want a nice new sports car, you might yeah. interrogate or ask yourself, why do I want that so bad? Right. What's, what's sitting behind that? Oh, is it that I want people to turn their heads yeah. when they see me drive by, right? I want some attention. Oh, okay. Well, suddenly my need is actually for attention. So sometimes actually just to encourage the exercise even deeper is you might actually find that it's helpful to start as well with some of your material things, but go beyond that. I love the way that you're pushing us to go beyond that as well. Yeah. I like that. Right. It never hurts to kind of ask that why question. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, Q, our host, do you want to do you want to bring us home? <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely to have you for the first time, Reverend Matt Timms. This was so much fun, and thank thanks for uh, letting me be a co-host this evening. That was a fun ride. It's pure joy for me, Q. But I will close us out with these words from Psalm twenty-five: "Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord." is in you. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. Mm